We have a, a treat this morning to be able to visit with uh, some guests that have come. Um, good friends of ours, Jeff and Marianne Stone. They are, are headed to Jordan. They served with us in Jerusalem. Uh, Jeff was actually my dean of students at the school. Um, so we got into some fun times dealing with fun students. Always the good ones, right? <laughs> um, good at heart, at least. And so uh, Jeff and Marianne, they, they lived and worked in Jerusalem for five years amongst Palestinian people, did a great job of embedding themselves in community. Um, you know, our, our heart, as we look at the, the heart of God, is that incarnation is, is the biblical term, the theological term, that God came to us. And so that is what he calls us to do, that he doesn't call us to a, play, a stage, a platform. He calls us to go into homes, to invest life on life. Um, that is our calling as a community of Christ, and Jeff and Marianne live that out so well. Um, they've got a great son, Jack. Um, he's a lot of fun. They stayed with us uh, last night, and uh, he was, uh, they had to brush his teeth with apparently he doesn't like the, the flavor of bubble gum. Um, so he was kind of crying out about that. So before he went upstairs, he came, and I got to hug and kiss on him, and he told me his woes of how bad his parents treat him brushing his teeth with bubble gum. <laughs> uh, so I was able to embrace that as a, as a good uncle. Well, I have been told I must be very strong in my manhood to be able to wear tassels. I remind people Jesus wore tassels. It was on his prayer shawl. But then I was told by another guy, but you're not strong enough to wear pink tassels. So I rest somewhere between strong enough to wear tassels, not strong enough to wear them pink, I guess. Um, but I'm good with that. And so we're going to invite Jeff and Marianne, if they could come and just share their hearts for the Middle East, for Jordan, and unreached peoples. So if we could just welcome them this morning. Thank you, Pastor Zach and Shelley, and thank you all for the opportunity to come up here and share. As you notice, I don't have any pink tassels either, not because I'm not strong in my manhood, but, well, uh, as Pastor Zach mentioned, uh, Marianne and I, uh, we've been serving uh, in Jerusalem for the last few years. Uh, in fact, Marianne and I actually met on the mission field uh, at teaching at a Christian school in Jerusalem, and I'm sure that Pastor Zach has mentioned to you that 80% of this school were Palestinian Muslim kids. And we got to share the gospel with more than 700 Muslim kids almost on a daily basis. And I can still remember the day that Mary Ann walked in and she took one look at me and said, I can't live without him. <laughs> you guys know it was the other way around, right? But in 2014, Jack, as you guys saw in the picture, he joined our family and his claim to fame is that he was born in Bethlehem. So we brought home the ultimate souvenir, a little baby born in Bethlehem. And yes, we make him brush, our, brush his teeth. But we, had, we were so blessed to work in Jerusalem for five years, teaching at the Christian school. And not only was our school the home of, of Muslim students, but it, we would also hire Muslims to teach some of the classes at our school. And Marianne became good friends with one of our Muslim teachers, and I'd like for her to share a testimony with you all this morning. Hello. Well, like Jeff said, we ended up um, working together teaching fourth grade. In our second year there, we had a Muslim woman that joined our fourth grade teaching team. And immediately, she and I just became fast friends. I love sharing with women specifically that if you can drink coffee or go shopping, then you can be friends with a Muslim woman. Because that's basically what we did, was we'd go shopping, and then little by little, she'd start opening up her heart and say, here's some issues. And I was able to say, well, let's talk about how God wants to intercede and be a part of those problems. And so in our third year, 
there, she starts coming to church and eventually starts bringing her kids with her and then comes to my office and says, I just need to ask you some questions. She said, you have this relationship with God. You tell me you hear from God. How do I have that? How do I get that? And I said, well, let's go ahead and talk. So we had some coffee, and what we did was we walked from the Old Testament to the New Testament and talked about the different sacrifice stories and why there had to be a sacrifice for her sins. And we get to the part in John 129 that says, look, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And she looks at me, and she said, that Lamb was Jesus, and he took away my sins. And I said, amen, that's right. So we stopped, and we prayed right there. And now that Muslim woman is your sister in Christ. Amen? amen. Praise God. She faithfully allowed me to disciple her, faithfully came to church, and even was such a great friend that she was in the delivery room when Jack was born. And we love getting to share that story because as Islam is growing at this alarming rate, all we have to do is step out and say hello. All we have to do is be the friend, be the bridge of friendship that could lead a family to eternity into Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, how many of you have ever had God change your plans on you? Am I the only one? Well, Marianne and I, we thought, you know, a few years ago, we thought, man, we're going to be in Jerusalem until Jesus comes back or until we retire. But a, a few months ago, the Lord began uh, taking us on a journey of, of stretching us. And he doesn't stop doing that whenever you go, whenever you say yes to missions. And so we, we started praying and fasting and asking the Lord, Lord, what is it that you're stretching us towards? What is it that you're pulling us towards? And you see, there are many awesome, wonderful missionary works that are happening in Jerusalem uh, with, the, with the Israeli people, with the Palestinian people. But there are countries and cities around the Middle East where there's not one missionary. And maybe in those countries, there's not even one Christian or one church where people can go and hear the gospel. You guys are going to hear a wonderful message from Psalm 67 later on. But I want to tell you that we are extremely blessed in America. And we're blessed to be a blessing to the nations. And when Marianne and I, we started hearing about these cities where there's maybe not even one Christian, maybe not even one church, the Lord started to, to give us a burden for those places that we could be the access to the gospel that those people don't have. So the Lord has asked us to leave Jerusalem. The Lord has asked us to go to Jordan for our next term, where we will focus on our Arabic studies and church planning strategies and how to be more effective in winning Muslims to Christ. After our time in Jordan, we will take a team of missionaries to another city in the Middle East where we will endeavor to plant churches. We need your prayers. To put it into perspective, Mandarin Chinese is the hardest language in the world. That's so I've heard. And Arabic is right below it. So we need your prayers. Pray for our son, Jack, that he would adjust well, that he would grow up in the culture, but not only to love the people, but to be a little evangelist himself. We want him to know the Lord, and we want him to, to have a burden for those kids that he goes to school with. And pray for us that the Lord would put together a team of missionaries with strengths that complement each other as we go to another city to plant churches in the Middle East. If you guys stop by our table after service, we're... If you look at Main Street, just turn around. We're right there on the other side. You guys can pick up a prayer card, put it on your refrigerator, put it in your Bible, whichever one you open the most. There you go. <laughs> but keep us in prayer. We covet your prayers. You know, I, I, we've had people come and tell us, you know, we were praying for you guys during this and this and this, and we just thought, wow, what an encouragement that the Lord woke people up in the middle of the night to pray for us. 
So keep us in prayers. You guys can sign up for our newsletter back there where you guys can get updates from us on your email, uh, just talking about where we're at, what we're doing, and what God's doing in, in our city and while we're in Jordan. So please uh, keep us in prayer. And right now we're going to have a video that's going to introduce you guys to Jordan. And what it is is it's, a, it's an Arab Christian praying for his country, praying for the Muslims in his country to come to know Christ. And at the very end, there are specific prayer requests for Jordan that you guys can lift up. Thank you all so much. Father, I pray for Jordan. Father, you have given Jordan a, a specific calling, a shelter place. Father, you have told Moses when he brought the people out of the Sinai, out of Egypt, that he is not allowed to touch the country of Moab, Edom, and Ammon, which is the modern day Jordan. Father, you have a redemptive purpose for this country. I pray that your kingdom would come to Jordan and Jordan would rise up and fulfill its redemptive purpose in you, Lord Jesus. And I pray that Jordan will become the training ground for Arab missionaries to be trained and to be sent out throughout the Arab and the Muslim world. Jordan belongs to you. You are king over Jordan. We pray that Jordan will turn to you and Jordan will become a minaret spiritually for all the Arab world. Father, I pray for the missionaries who have come out of their comfort zone and they came to help us to build your kingdom. I thank you for their obedience. I pray for their protection, their families, and their provision for their needs. But I pray, Father, that you will multiply the authority you have given them so they would have a great influence in the communities they live in. And Father, I pray that through them you would raise a young godly leadership on fire, local leaders on fire to lead these ministries. I pray for my people, the Muslims, the Arabs, that they would receive visions. Father, I pray that you would speak to them in a supernatural way. Father, expose this deception called Islam. I thank you, you love the Muslims, Father. And Father, give us a heart to love them. And I pray, Father, that many of us would be filled by your spirit, led by your spirit to go and to show the love of Jesus Christ because you love them, Father. And I pray none of them would be left behind. Father, I pray for the Arab church, that the church will wake up, wake up Arab church. I pray that the church will understand that they are tools in your hand to establish your kingdom. I pray that men and women, they would receive a vision of going to the Muslim to preach the gospel. Father, raise up men and women who fear nothing but sin boldly in the power of the Holy Spirit to go wherever you lead them, Lord, and to obey and to preach and to show Jesus' love in a practical way to these pastors. We pray that their eyes will be open and they will see that they have been deceived by the enemy. 
and they would receive Jesus as a personal Savior. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You know, I always encourage you, if somebody says, would you pray for me in this, don't just say, yes, I'll pray with you. Take that moment and pray. So let's just pray. God, we just pray that you would be with the country of Jordan. Heavenly Father, we pray that Christianity would be held in high regard, that people would look at you and your fame and understand that you are the only way. Lord, we just pray that Jordan would be a place, a training ground to send out Arab ministers of the gospel all throughout the Middle East and North Africa. Lord, we just pray that as these refugees have come in, that they would be welcomed and welcomed by the Christian community. Lord, that you would stir up Christians in Jordan to receive the refugees, that they might experience your name and to know you. Lord, we just pray for religious freedom. Lord, as things tighten down in Jordan, we just pray that Christianity would have free reign to be spoken in the streets. Heavenly Father, we just pray that you would raise up Others like Jeff and Marianne who are there in Jordan to be able to be trained up to be sent out from there as well. Jesus, we pray a blessing over the Stone family as they leave at the end of the year for Jordan. I just pray that you go before them in every plan and detail, Lord, that it would be evident that your hand is going before them. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for praying with me this morning. May we pray for the nations. Last week, we ended our series, our I Am series, with I Am Missional. And we talked about torches and tea lights. So I am curious, how many tea lights? Did you serve as a tea light this week or as a torch? Any tea lights? Please don't raise your hand. (laughs) Any torches? I know sometimes we feel like, I don't know if I served as a torch. But may you wake up and say, Jesus, help me be a torch for you today. So I shared this message last week. Shelly, I'm going to grab this from you. And uh, one of the members of our church said, I actually happen to have an Olympic torch. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? 1996 Atlanta Olympics, so Dion Hackley, he was one of the runners here in West Lafayette. He said he picked it up from a motorcycle, gave it to a guy in the wheelchair. So that's the real deal right there. Yeah, isn't that cool? So don't be that little tea light I was holding last week. This is what we're shooting for, okay? Remember that as you get up in the morning. I'm going to pass that back so I don't drop it. Thanks, Shell. Uh, if, if, you know, I didn't introduce myself. If you're new to the church, I'm Pastor Zach. Shelly and I have uh, the distinct privilege to serve as lead pastors here and to uh, be able to call this as our church home. Uh, what a great group of people you're with. If, if you're new, I want you to know that you're welcome and that you belong here. You belong in the church. Uh, it's, it's Christ's representation of him to the world. We're to be a light to the world. A city on a hill. In the passage we're going to read from today, it lets us know that as his children, we've truly been blessed. But we've been blessed for a very particular reason. So I'm going to invite you to read these verses along with me today. So if you have your Bibles, I hope you do. Pastor Kevin almost stole it this morning. 
We're going to invite you to open up to the 67th Psalm, Psalm 67. And I'm also going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word today, simply out of reverence for His Word, the fact that God gave us His Word. What a distinct privilege that He gave His Word to us. So Psalm 67, we'll read all seven verses, so verses 1 through 7. God, be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, Selah, that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Oh, let, for you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth, Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Amen. These are the words of God. You may be seated this morning. Let the nations be glad. What a wonderful phrase. Well, my focus this morning will be on the first two verses of this chapter in Psalm, because it's in verses 1 and 2 we see there's a link between God's blessings and being a blessing to the nations. Or in other words, God blessing connection point church and it being a means for the world to know his way and his salvation. What a mandate. So I want to read those two verses and and give special attention to the link between those two verses. So verses 1 and 2. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. That. I'm going to put some other words in there. So that and order that. And that's the link. Your way may be known on earth. Your saving power among the nations. There is a link between God blessing his people and them serving as a blessing to the world. God blesses his people for the sake of the nations. God blesses you for the sake of the nations. So in teacher-like fashion this morning, I want to make sure you're trekking with me. So repeat after me. I have been blessed for the sake of the nations. Let me hear it. Now, hopefully you will start to believe that. Hopefully by the time we finish here. And so God blesses his people for the sake of the nations. It's simply a great old thread that runs through the Old Testament. You're familiar with the verse in Genesis 2. Most people know it. Genesis 2, where Abraham, or God is telling Abraham, here's what he says, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That's not just for Abraham. All the families of the earth will be blessed. What a promise. And so what happens is the psalmist, he takes this promise in Genesis 12 too, and he turns it into a prayer. I will make you into a blessing for the nations by blessing you. So the psalmist says, Lord, be gracious to us. Bless us. Make your face to shine upon us that now we in turn can be a blessing to the nations that they might know your way and know your salvation. And since God blesses in order to bless the nations then churches are blessed when they pray and plan to be a blessing to unreached people. But I want to be careful in the way I phrase this. We do not earn the blessing of God by serving overseas or giving to an overseas cause. We don't. 
Rather, what happens is we jump into the river of blessing that is flowing out unto the nations. Because here's what's happening. Whether we're a part of the blessing or not, God will bless the nations. He's going to do it. He promises to do it. So we don't earn anything from God. We simply bathe ourselves in the blessing that is flowing out unto the nations. You do have the option to stand aside, to not be a part of this river. I don't know why you would do that, but you can. But what I'm saying is we ought to jump in. Shelly and I jumped in many, many years ago, and I would encourage all of us to jump into that river. And so what I'd like to do is unpack this passage as it relates to Shelly and I in the last 10 years. So I'm going to share some stories of how we have seen this unfold in our lives. I could talk about other churches. Dan Betzer has a great message on why some churches are blessed, and he relates his history of serving in churches and the way he has seen them blessed. I could talk about mission history. I could talk about Bible stories. There's lots of ways I can unpack this passage, but I felt like the best would be I'm just going to share personally how Shelly and I have experienced this in our own lives. And Shelly and I have been blessed according in three distinct ways, our Christian virtues of faith, of hope, and in love. These are the areas we've been blessed. Now, unfortunately, I know, especially in an American context, when I say the word blessing, usually we think finances. If you look up the word blessing, I don't think finances is there, but that's our Western mindset. The best blessings you can achieve in life, the number one is faith in Almighty God. So that's where I'm going to start. I don't want you to put God in the small box of I'm blessed and only blessed in finances. When we talk about God's blessings, the greatest blessing you can receive are those blessings of Christian virtues of faith and hope and in love. So the first I want to talk about, as Shelley and I have responded to missions, we've seen a tremendous blessing in faith. When Shelley and I left for Sudan uh, two, 10 years ago, for those that maybe don't know our history, Shelley and I served overseas for a decade, and we started in Sudan. And we really didn't know what was going to happen there. Of course, you never can, really. And during our time in East Africa, where Sudan's located, we encountered lots of serious challenges. We went to Kenya to get our visa into Sudan, and while we were there, we faced riots that were happening. Uh, daily hardships, of course, in Sudan and in Islamic society. We were involved in a car accident I shared where I got to spend a day in Sudanese prison. That was fun. Uh, rebels from Darfur, they came and fought with government troops in Omdurman across the river from where we lived, so we had to stay locked in for some days. After all this, we got tired of being in Sudan, so we thought, we'll go visit friends in Madagascar. That's a fun place. They made movies about it, right? Bad news was, the government toppled, so we were there. Things went crazy. We actually helped them pack up and evacuate their own country. Everywhere we went, there was trouble. We go to Jerusalem, face some hardships there too. Our, our daughter Haley was experiencing seizures. We needed God's intervention there, and he granted it. Israeli soldiers controlled, uh, patrolled the neighborhood we lived in, which created some stress. And rockets, of course, being fired from Gaza. So we were constantly in the place of, of stress. But facing these kinds of challenge, it caused us, Shelly and I, to pursue God at a very different depth and level than we ever had before. Living in this way, it helped us to learn to rest in his grace, that no matter what we faced, he was there. But we came far more dedicated to spending time in his word, spending time in prayer, and just moments of daily worship in our own home. We learned what a house church was. It started in our house, and then we went from there. You know, James talks about facing challenges and the faith, the faith that it brings. This may not be a verse that you've memorized. May I encourage you, commit it to memory. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, 
when you meet trials of various kinds. Anybody here think of the first thing that comes to your mind as you face a hardship? Oh, that was so joyful. Anybody? We've got one. Hallelujah. <laughs> Probably not. That's not our natural human response. It's a supernatural response. And here's what James writes. For you know that testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. There's something that happens when we face hardship that pushes us closer to God, and thereby we can become more like him. The message, I love how the message writes it, Eugene Peterson. He says, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. We'll see if you can get to the place where you consider it a gift. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. Ooh. What that's saying is when you face hardships, whatever bubbles up to the surface, that's who you really are. That's kind of scary. I'll let you dwell on that. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. In other words, what it's saying is, be okay to be in that fiery furnace, to be refined by his fire. Pastor Scott Wilson, he's down in Texas, and, and he wrote in a book, Act Normal. I love how he summarizes this. He, of course, talks that we as humans, we have a natural aversion for pain. That's not a bad thing. But because of this, people sometimes fail to grasp God's purposes in it. Here's what he says. We want to grow close to God. I don't know anybody that doesn't have that desire. And enjoy his blessings, but we don't want to enroll in the school of pain to learn the lessons he can only teach us there. Isn't that true? Now, I'm going to pause here because you may be saying, if giving to missions means I'm facing hardships, no thanks, I'm not signing up for that. But here's what I want to say. Our experience in engaging in missions is, we walk through hardships to grow our faith, but there's lots of ways that God grows faith. And what I know is one of the byproducts of you engaging in mission is that God will absolutely grow your faith. How he chooses to do that is absolutely up to God. But what I'm saying is by engaging in missions, you will experience the blessing of faith. Engaging in missions will stretch your faith. And the blessing of faith is the greatest blessing that God can give. It's number one on the list until we see him face to face where we need faith no longer. And the next two blessings I'm going to share, they actually point to the blessing of faith. By responding to missions, Shelley and I have seen a tremendous blessing in hope. So one of the definitions of hope is a, a person or a thing that may help or save someone. So hope is a thing that may help. Hope does involve the blessing of provision. So I'm not saying even though I talked about when we think about blessings, we think about provision, we think about finances. I am saying God does bless in that area, but we shouldn't just focus on that. Shelly and I, we were teaching in the Chicago area, working with my dad at Stone Church when we knew that God was leading us to go live and work in Sudan. Uh, but Shelly and I both had some school loans to take care of, and we didn't want to go overseas with any debt. So we were asking God, if this is the time, we need you to intervene. And so we felt led to put our house for sale, do it for sale by owner so that we could get the most equity out of it. We put the sign in the yard, and six days later, had a contract on the house. 25 days later, we were moved out with money in hand to take care of those debts. How many know that if God is leading you to something, you first have to step out, and then he responds? That's the way it works. So we were blessed in the area of faith by the way of having finances take care of the things we needed to take care of so we could go overseas in that way. In our time overseas, as we were over in Sudan, we didn't have opportunity to go visit the, the dentist. And so when we came back, 
we needed to take care of some dental work. Shelly had some extensive work done on, on teeth and gums, and the total came to $786. And we didn't have that in hand at the moment, so we were paying that off month by month. And, and then we got a check in the mail for $790. Somebody randomly, just in the mail, said, you know what, we just felt like God wanted to bless you with this. Let me ask you the question. Who sends you a check for $790? I mean, nobody does that. Except God. God knows what your needs are. As you realign yourself with him and say, God, I am going to align with you and your purpose in the world, he takes care of those needs. I have a pastor friend who, who loves to describe our following Jesus in this way. He says we should be constantly amazed, but never surprised. Amazed at what God does but never surprised because he holds the world in his hand, doesn't he? You know, we know that he promises to take care of us in Matthew 6. Here's the, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they. In our experience, and we talked about this in the Lord's Prayer, there's a, a piece where you realign with God and God takes care of the results. Our job is to stay aligned to God and his will for our lives. He takes care of all the results that we need to see happen. The blessing of hope or provision, it points to the blessing of faith. And as God provided for our needs, he absolutely grew our faith. And God also grew our faith by blessing us with love. Lastly, as Shelly and I responded to missions, we have seen a tremendous blessing in love. Shelly and I got married right after I graduated from college. Shelly still had a year left. When we look back at those pictures, we realized we were kids, but we got married anyway. But we waited to have kids for a couple of years so that we could get um, paying on our school loans and wanted to take care of things we needed to take care of. But after a couple of years, we said, you know what? Let's start a family. And of course, that's how it works. You make a plan, and that's what happens. No, it doesn't, in case you haven't lived long enough to figure that out yet. The plans you make are not likely to always happen. Um, so we tried to have kids for years, couldn't, went and visited a doctor, found out Shelly needed to take fertility medicine so we could have kids. So she did that at the same time that we were applying to go overseas and just trusting God with what he wanted to do. And within a couple of months, Shelly did get pregnant, and then she had a miscarriage. And so we just continued to pray and give it unto God. And as we were seeking the approval process to go overseas, that's when God granted us Nate, whose name, Nathaniel, means gift of God. And he truly was a gift to our family. So as we then stepped out to say, God, we want to engage in missions and what your plan is in the world, God gave us, we truly believe, our children and gave us Nathaniel. We went overseas to Sudan and Shelly took that medicine with her because now we knew what the plan was. You take the medicine, that's what works. No. So we took the medicine, you can only take it six months, and then you have to get off it. It was, uh, didn't work at all, so the medicine was pointless. So we just continued to give it unto the Lord and said, God, we're going to continue to trust in you. We will align ourselves with you. And as we did that, then God granted us Haley without the use of medicine. What doctors said was impossible without medicine, God made possible. And Haley's name means unexpected gift. <laughs> and she was that. She truly is an unexpected gift to our family. And as we came back to the U.S., we continued to be diligent to say, God, what would you have us do? And as we came back, Haley was born in the U.S. Um, God gave us a heart for Jerusalem, and so we went to Jerusalem, continued to trust the Lord with our family, and Shelly got pregnant with Lucas while we were in Jerusalem, again, without any medicine. 
And uh, he granted uh, Lucas there, whose name means bringer of light, because we truly had felt that the way the Lord had brought us through in faith and hope and love, that he had shed such great light in our family that we'd name Lucas that. And as he was born in Jerusalem, he was greeted with Mazel Tov Ben Tov Le Yerushalayim, which means, congratulations, you now have a good son of Jerusalem. Uh, and what a good son he is. So as Shelley and I have engaged in missions, we've truly been blessed with faith, with hope, and with love. And what I know as we follow God, that is his desire for all of us as we align ourselves with his will and his purpose in the world. God desires to bless so that you might be a blessing to the nations. So the question is this morning, will you jump into that river that is flowing out unto the nations? Will you bathe yourselves in that? Will you grow in your faith and your hope and your love? So I'm going to invite you to participate in what God is doing around the world. And one of the most powerful and impactful ways to do that is by something called a faith promise. And I meant to bring one up, and I didn't. Do you happen to have one down there, Shelley, a faith promise form? It, might, it should be. If you open up your programs, there's a faith promise form in there. Thanks, Mick. I'm going to steal yours. This is what I'm talking about. So if you just want to have that setting beside you so you know what I'm referring to, this is a faith promise. And this is a way where you can tangibly get involved in what God is doing around the world and to grow your faith, your hope, and your love. It really is, could be one of the most exciting things you do in your spiritual journey. For Shelly and I, this is the first year in 10 years we get to do a faith promise um, because we've been overseas serving. We continue to personally support people overseas. But now we get to follow along with you pray over this and say, God, what do you want us to do? How do you want to use our family by way of faith promise this year? Now, a good question to ask is, what is a faith promise? In simple terms, it's financing God's kingdom expansion. That's what a faith promise is. But before I explain it, I do want to talk a little bit about the world that we live in. We know the world population is over 7.4 billion people, and approximately one-third of the world, uh, they claim to be Christians, so it means over 3 billion people have yet to accept Jesus as Lord. That's a lot of people. So as you look further, we see that 75% of our world, they live at poverty level or below. So bringing that home a little bit in financial terms, if you earn a salary of $10,000 a year, let's say that was your yearly income, that would put you in the top 15% of wage earners in the world. If you earn in a household salary of $50,000, the average American household salary, that puts you in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. And I share this because as we look at Psalm 67 and I talk about we have been blessed so that we can be a blessing unto the world, you may have been thinking, I don't know that I've really been blessed. So I want to dispel that kind of thinking to let you know you truly have been blessed. If you're sitting in this room, you live a blessed life. And the question is, what are you going to do with that blessing? And what we talked about is, you've been blessed for the sake of the nations. Studies point to the fact that people most, are most receptive to the gospel when they are a child. And what we know of the world population is two-thirds of our world is under the age of 17. So even though we live in a world that's growing increasingly hostile to the message of Jesus, we have the profound opportunity to bring Jesus to them just by the nature of their ages. And not only have we been blessed to be a blessing, we are commanded to reach the lost and to help the poor. Our calling as the body of Christ is to be both Great Commission Christians and a Great Commission church. So how is this accomplished? Our church can't do it alone. 
Our church needs the help of our cross-cultural workers like Jeff and Mary Ann, and they need your help. Church leadership won't know what the church can commit to pouring into the lives of cross-cultural workers until we've totaled faith promises. So we partner with cross-cultural workers like Jeff and Mary Ann. There's no replacing boots on the ground. There's not. There's no way that we can replace what they can do as they're there as we look at how we can change the world. And there's different ways to do it. Um, the Who Does the Blessed Life series, what's his name? Robert Morris. I know you guys have watched that. He does a great job of talking about different kinds of giving in the Bible. There's three levels. The first is tithing. It's simply obedient giving. This belongs to the Lord. Then there's offerings, like when we did the uh, backpack drive. That would be like an offering. Or last week as we, we helped the Gideons, that was an offering. The last category I like to call supernatural giving. And this is where faith promises come in. Faith promise is an agreement between you and God. It's a heavenly way to finance an earthly task. It's not based on your resources, but on God's. It's not your tithe. It's not a pledge, but it's a promise. It's an opportunity for you to give not only according to your ability, but beyond your ability. There's a verse that I've used for this as we've, we've talked about this. It's from 2 Corinthians 8.3. Paul's talking to the church in Macedonia, or talking to the church in Corinth about the Macedonian believers, and here's what he says. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own free will. How do you give beyond your means? Supernaturally. God says, I've spoken to you, I can pour this resource through you. You basically become a conduit of God's resources in the world. But you have to be faithful to say, God, bless so that I can be a blessing unto the nations. A faith promise is a part of God's stretching program. It should stretch your faith and your compassion for the lost. If the amount you've promised to give isn't a challenge to you, it won't stretch your faith. It simply won't. What I'm going to ask that you do is that you take this card this week, stick it in your Bible where the 67th psalm is, so stick it in Psalm 67, and take time to pray over this. Read through that psalm and pray, God, what would you have me do this year? What are you going to move through me so that I could be a blessing unto the world? That's the question you need answered. And I'll tell you right now, if the number that comes to mind isn't a number that scares you, it's probably not from God. That's my definition. And Shelly and I, of course, will consult together as a family. And so as we look at the implications, we know it has eternal implications for you and, of course, for others. And it has future implications for your children and generations beyond. We're going to take time uh, to pray privately in the morning. God, what would you have us do? But then we'll include our kids in that conversation to say, hey, guys, we know we've been blessed to be a blessing. What do you think we should do as a family this year to be a blessing to the nations? What I want you to know is your faith promise is confidential. It's not going to be followed up on. I'm not going to call you. Nobody will. It's really between you and God. We simply run the total so we know what we can commit to. We create our missions budget based on that. And I don't know if you're aware, and I'm going to talk about this in a couple of weeks, but from the inception of the church 30 years ago, they have always committed 10% of everything that comes in goes right back out these doors. And so we're going to keep doing that. So what we're saying with faith promises is we're still going to do 10% out the doors, but anything that comes in by way of faith promise is simply a bonus on top of that. So that doesn't change for the church. The commitment lasts for one year from this missions conference until the missions conference we do next year. So you could ask, how can I give it? You can give it in the regular Sunday morning offering. We have these offering envelopes. What's important when you give it is that you designate it for missions. So we know as funds are received, that's the account that it should be going to that helps us. Some people will give it as they receive their salary. Some are going to commit it that way. 
Others will wait until God provides. My, my dad was a retired minister, and he's the one that taught me about faith promises. And when he was challenging faith promises many years ago, he was living on a very fixed income. Of course, he had us as kids. And so as he began to be challenged in faith promises, he said, God, what would you have me do? And he really felt like God put in his heart, you can do at least $15 a month. Now, do the math, 30 years ago, that would be like $50 today. So basically, he's committing to say, God, I'm trusting you for $50 a month that I can make that difference in the nations. And so my dad had found out there was a, a funeral um, a center nearby that was looking for male vocalists, and they would pay him $15 every time he sang. And so then he said, well, Lord, I'm going to put my name in there, and I'm going to trust that every month I'll have opportunity to sing and fulfill my faith promise. And wouldn't you know, every month he had opportunity to sing. Now, I'm going to tell you, as a child, when I heard this story, I had to ask my dad, so dad, does that mean God was taking people out to fulfill your faith promise? <laughs> he assured me that was not the case. That's not the way God works. But what he said is, you know, what God answered within that is he said, God, as there's opportunity every month, we know people will pass. I just pray that as they review the names of people to come and sing, that they would select my name. And they did, every month, so that dad could fulfill his faith promise that year. So I encourage you, commit to a faith promise and know that whatever God puts in your heart to do, that he will make a way for that to happen. That's not to say you won't have to work for it at times, but we know that God will provide the work for it. It's all on you to figure out, God, what are you speaking to my heart? Our goal within faith promises is 100% participation. Everyone can do something. Nothing is too small to make a difference in the kingdom of God. We know that God can do great things through a body that's committed to being a blessing unto the world. You know, the definition of someone who gives generously, we talk about these five core values of abiding daily, living the word, sharing the story of Jesus, giving generously. For me, the person who gives generously is that third-tier giver that says, I'm going to commit to tithe. I'm going to give an offerings as opportunity provides, and I'm going to be a part of what God is doing around the world to make a difference in his name. So I just encourage you, be that give generously person. Live out that core value. Who will be in heaven because you committed yourself to a faith promise this year? Who from Jordan, from Morocco, China, Israel, Kenya, from Russia, will meet you in eternity? Because I believe God will give us insight when we're there, and they'll say, thank you for blessing me with eternity because you committed to a faith promise. I'm going to close with a quote from David Platt's book, Radical. He says, You and I have an average of about 70 or 80 years on this earth. During these years, we're bombarded with the temporary. Make money, get stuff, be comfortable, live well, have fun. In the middle of it all, we get blinded to the eternal. But it's there. You and I stand on the porch of eternity. We really do. Both of us will soon stand before God to give an account for the stewardship of our time, the resources, and ultimately the gospel he's entrusted to us. When that day comes, I am convinced we will not wish we had given more of ourselves to living the American dream. We will not wish we had made more money, acquired more stuff, lived more comfortably, taken more vacations, watched more television, pursued greater retirement, or been more successful in the eyes of this world. Instead, we will wish we had given more of ourselves to living for the day when every nation, tribe, people, and language will bow around the throne and sing the praises of the Savior who delights in radical obedience and the God who deserves eternal worship. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would help us be those people, not a people who pursue more from the American dream, 
but people who pursue more for the sake of eternity. Heavenly Father, I pray as we stand on the porch of eternity that we would look through that lens and to understand that you have blessed us to be a blessing unto the world. So help us today, Lord, to, to live out your gospel, to be your hands and feet, to take what you have given and to turn it around and to put it to purpose in the world for your kingdom advancement. Help us, Lord, to, to be a part of sending people, Father, like Jeff and Mary Ann and the many others who have visited this year, the Martins, the Phelps. Jesus, I just pray that you would help us be committed as a people to your purposes in the world. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.